everybody. Glad to see all of you here tonight. Thank you so very much for coming. And uh, if you would, let's stand together and invite the presence of the Lord here tonight. And uh, we certainly want the Lord to be with us uh, tonight. This is a very important uh, Bible study for Grace Church tonight, and we need God's help. So let's pray and ask the Lord to be with us tonight. Father, we love you. We're thankful for the privilege, the opportunity to be here. We're thankful for your hand on Grace Church, your hand in our lives. We're thankful for the beautiful, beautiful manifestation of your spirit. And we pray that you would be with us tonight. Let the Holy Ghost work in our hearts and minds. Talk to us tonight from the word of God. We ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. You may be seated. Uh, again, welcome. So glad you're here. Those of us, those of you joining us on Facebook Live, live stream, thank you again for being with us tonight as well. Uh, have a couple of really amazing announcements to make tonight, actually about three. That's going to hopefully shoot just a real shot of excitement through down across the chairs, down the aisles, uh, everywhere. And uh, so we're, you're going to be excited about the announcement. We might have people break out running the aisles and uh, just worshiping the Lord and what have you over the announcements tonight. Uh, <clears throat> seriously, they are pretty cool. Pretty cool. A week from tonight, a week from tonight, we will resume our kids' ministry on Wednesday night. Uh, there you go. <clears throat> I got more response from that than I did preaching Sunday. There you go. So. Uh, but that resumes. Glad. Thank you for your response. And um, uh, we will have uh, more information about that this coming Sunday. Uh, so remember that announcement. Um, we don't know what to really call it. We're doing Sunday school on Wednesday night. It's not kids' church. It's going to be Sunday school on Wednesday. Somebody suggested Wednesday school, Wednesday night school. I don't know what we're going to call it. We'll call it something. But mainly, we're resuming that, and we're very thankful uh, for that. Uh, and then Saturday, September the 26th, is men's prayer in the A Center. All of our men remember that at 9 o'clock. That has just become a special time to uh, meet with the men, and it's, it's well attended. Um, even through the pandemic, when we would have men's prayer, it was well attended. So please come, and uh, it'll be a great time. Uh, to talk to the Lord, and uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity uh, to take advantage of. And then tonight following the service, I need to meet with all of our junior high and high school parents. So if you're a parent here tonight and have children in junior high or high school, I'd like to meet with you as soon as possible after the service tonight in the A Center. If you would do that, we'd appreciate it so very much. And then another real cool announcement is we have scheduled family night out for uh, Saturday, October the 17th from 4 to 7. And uh, so we're real excited about that. And uh, we want you to spread the word. And we would appreciate it very much if you would go to our church website and register. There's no money. It's free, of course. But we just need to get an idea of how many is coming. So when you pull up the website, it's right there. And it'll look just like that. So I'll have a place for you to go and register, and we're real excited about that. So remember these announcements, and uh, thank you for that so very much. 
And also, we want to remind you to continue in your giving. And uh, our system of giving seems to be working very well without having ushers come and what have you. We do have a, a basket in the lobby, as you know, but you can also text your offering. You can give it on our website. Uh, you can give online, etc. So remember to bless Grace Church with your giving. And um, we have our total for She's for Christ this year. Would anybody like to know what that total is? Consider we've been through a pandemic. We've not had service for probably 10 Sundays and 10 Wednesdays. A lot of our She's for Christ fundraising has been canceled or rescheduled for various reasons. But in spite of it all, we're giving more this year than we did last year. And uh, we're giving $20,500 to She's for Christ this year. And I am excited and pumped about that. <clears throat> I want to thank Brother Mark, Sister Brianna. Our youth group raised, I understand, about 10000 of that. And uh, I believe that's correct. Um, and um, thank you all very much for that. And then we had several people that just had a lot of money and said we'd like to give it somewhere and they just gave it to Chase for Christ so there you go but we got her done this year and very thankful for that thank the Lord uh, without further ado I want to go to the word of the Lord tonight and I've come uh, very purpose driven in my Bible study tonight those that have joined us on live stream if, if you would eliminate as much distraction around you as you can uh, this is a very important path that Grace Church will be pursuing uh, in all of our services, especially Sunday, uh, particularly in relationship to all of our latest modifications that we've done uh, to the building. And uh, I would like to read tonight from Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 39. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 39. <clears throat> and Mary arose in those days... This is Mary, the mother of Jesus, and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord, everybody say my Lord, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, would be Mary. Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, in Elizabeth's response, or in Mary's response to everything Elizabeth just said, Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. I want to stop right here and, and not jump into my Bible study too soon. We're going to continue the reading. But when Mary showed up 
Mary spoke to Elizabeth. The Bible said when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary. Hello Elizabeth, how are you? The babe in her womb, which was John the Baptist, leaped, the Bible said. Didn't just move or wiggle. There was a a jolt or a jerk, if you will, from John the Baptist still in the womb of his mother. And then Elizabeth went through this, this speaking with a loud voice, kind of shouting at Mary, you are blessed among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, and whence has the mother of God or the mother of my Lord come to me? This wasn't the little YouTube clip you see that grandma and grandpa just found out they're going to be grandparents. This is a divine moment that is being shared between these two women. So Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of this handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats. He has exalted them of low degree. He hath filled them with the hungry with good things. And the rich he has spent, uh, sent empty away and hath hoped or helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. I want you all to think about, you know this story. It's the Christmas story, if you will. But notice, it wasn't conversation just going, they, weren't, they, they, they were not conversating back and forth. There was proclamation. There was loud voice. There was serious, sober, something in the Holy Ghost is happening right now. We have to take advantage of this moment is what I see in this exchange between Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and Mary the mother of Jesus. The Bible said Mary abode with her for about three months and then returned to her own house. My title tonight is a little unusual and it's because I'm not sure that I believe that everything we call worship is worship. So I want to title this tonight A Worship That Magnifies God. A Worship. That magnifies God. If you'll remember Sunday before last, I preached to you about glorify the Lord with me. Does anybody here remember that? Spectacular service. Um, it was magnificent to me. It was our last service under the old lights. And um, uh, God had his way. It was marvelous that Sunday. Your response this past Sunday was absolutely amazing. I know we had extra guest here this past Sunday, if you will. We had four or five people that were working with sound and lighting, and we had several people that were here for the baby dedication. All that totaled up. We had 240 people here Sunday. Uh, I see what God has been saying to us. I see it beginning to come to pass that God wants to do mighty things here. For some reason, God has his focus 
on Grace Church in a very special, special way. And I thank God for that. I do want to tell you that this past Sunday when we were baptizing little Elijah Rose, there was a sound that came from the chairs, that came from, from you to this way. I turned to Brother Dave and I said, did you hear that? He said, I did. After church was over, we was on our way home or I'll go somewhere to eat. I asked Sister Murphy, I was telling Sister Murphy about it. She said, I heard that. It was a roar. She said, I literally turned around to see what all that noise was. Now, pastor does not mind going out on the limb, and y'all all know that. But that sound I heard Sunday morning coming out of these chairs was not just people. There was a divine noise here Sunday morning. That's why this Bible study tonight is so important to me. God has, is, has, is sanctioning what we're doing at this church for some reason that's beyond my imagination. And we have to act on it. We have to respond properly. Worship that magnifies God, that makes God look bigger to us. You remember, it's the telescope thing. It brings it closer to you and magnifies it. Pentecostals want to microscope everything. When it comes to worship, we need to telescope God, bring him closer, and make him bigger. We can't make him bigger literally, but in our minds he can get bigger. And everything we do here, the whole point of all this stuff, is to make God look bigger to everybody that comes here. And you can never over-exaggerate the size of God. You'll never make him too big. So worship that magnifies God is one filled with great anticipation, worship that magnifies God, not this business. Worship, worship, fervent worship. I'm into this. That's what I came to do, worship. Worship that's filled with great anticipation, great admiration, and glorious adoration of God. That's the worship that magnifies God. Worship is not being entertained by what's going on up here and responding to it. Worship is a celebration. And I want to take Grace Church down this path tonight to have us understand when you come to church, it's not like you're going to a movie theater and watching what's on the screen so you can leave and say, that was a real good movie. You come to church and celebrate for example, Brother Ben, Sister Ethel, as though Hannah announced to y'all tonight that you were going to be grandparents. That's celebration. Does anybody hear me tonight? That is not entertaining. That's celebration. Do you understand the difference? So you don't come to church to watch Brother Murphy and to watch the praise team and to watch the ministry team and said, man, they did good today. That's entertainment. Worship is when you come and you celebrate. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I've got something going on on the inside of me. I can't wait to get there because I'm going to magnify God and I'm going to make him look real big to somebody else. So I'll show you the blessing of intimacy and in worship versus the excitement and entertainment. I want to show you the blessing of intimacy and in worship 
versus the excitement and entertainment. Worship through the conduit of celebration is far greater than the short-lived excitement of being entertained. We shouldn't come to just get what we want out of God, but we should come to give God what He wants out of us. And He wants nothing more than worship. That's the, that's the byproduct of being God, is you want to be worshipped by the people who say they love you. I feel the Spirit of the Lord moving here tonight. Amen. So we're going to look at two women who were so full of celebration, of adoration, of admiration, that they can't help but sing and rejoice and celebrate over pregnancy. The babies hadn't even been born yet, and they're acting as though they have. Maybe this should have been a Sunday thing, I don't know. But I can tell you, theirs was a worship that magnified God. It was the celebrated. What happened to them was in no way entertaining. John Calvin stated, nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, the indictment of the evangelical church is that we do not know God. Our worship needs to be God-focused and not man-centered. In our text, Luke puts the spotlight on two godly women. They are Elizabeth, the soon-to-be mother of John the Baptist, and Mary, the soon-to-be mother of Jesus, the Messiah. Both were humble women of no particular social or economic standing. Elizabeth was the wife of an obscure priest. Mary was a humble peasant girl who did not have any social standing due to her parentage or class or even the dignity that Elizabeth and Zacharias had working in the temple. The worship of both of these women is such that they are models for all true disciples of Jesus. John Packer stated, To worship God is to recognize his worth or worthiness, to look Godward, and to acknowledge in all appropriate ways the value of what we see. The Bible calls this activity glorifying God or giving glory to God. And it views it as the ultimate end and from one point of view, the whole duty of man. We were created to worship God. The babe leaped in her womb, the Bible said, when Elizabeth greeted Mary and recognized the Messiah in Mary's womb, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and with a joyful anticipation of the fulfillment of God's promise to finally bring to the world a Savior. This is not entertainment. They're celebrating. Does everybody understand? Y'all on board with me? Please let me know y'all are on board. 
What is your mindset when you come to church, particularly on Sunday? Do you think about it? Do you think about what you are going to do when the service starts ahead of time? I heard Brother Greg Albritton preach a, a sermon one time called Premeditated Worship. That I premeditated worship before I even got here. I didn't have to be pumped and primed and all that. So you'll notice that there was manifested in the scripture reading great anticipation. So notice the manifestation of great anticipation, first of all, is preparation. So the Bible said in verse 39 that Mary got ready and hurried. She was in a hurry. She packed a quick bag and ran out the door. Zechariah and Elizabeth lived in an unidentified town in the hill country of Judea, approximately 65 miles from Mary's house in Nazareth of Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, Mary journeyed to the village located in the hill country in southern Judea. The journey required four or five days to get there. So she had four or five days to prepare for her announcement. Elizabeth didn't know what what Mary's announcement was going to be, and Mary didn't know what Elizabeth had to say either. So it's going to be a surprise for both of them. But Mary went with intentional purpose. I'm not going just for a visit. I'm not going for Elizabeth to entertain me and walk me through the temple and show me all the artifacts around the church and all the new stuff they just installed. Mary didn't care about all of that. I don't believe she went necessarily to to Elizabeth's house just to announce that I'm expecting a baby. We have this in our culture. Uh, Casey and Chris videoed both times when they told us that they were expecting Noah and Joseph. We have it on video. I watch it periodically. When they came in, Casey just stood in the middle of our living room floor that night. I remember it vividly. I had my dog on my lap. Sister Murphy was sitting in a recliner across the room, and she said, Chris and I are going to have a baby. Neither one of us flew out of the chair and just started tearing the house down out of excitement. Neither one of us believed it. I thought, this is a sick joke, man, right here. But when she went and got the little sonogram thing and showed us a picture, then reality set in. We were not being entertained by Casey and Chris with that announcement. We began to celebrate with them. Do you all understand? Please understand. When Steve and Mark and, and Chris and Jonathan and Casey and Julia are up here playing this, these instruments, they're not entertaining us. They're wanting us to celebrate with them. When I'm preaching, I know when, when I'm preaching, I feel confident to speak for the ministry team. We're not here to entertain you or enlighten you. We are physically up here verbally celebrating the Word of God, the power of God, our faith in God, our confidence in God, and we want you to celebrate with us. I'm not implying that you don't, but sometimes we walk away and say, man, that was a good service, like we just watched a good movie somewhere. And that's never the point when you come to the house of the Lord. So Mary prepared. The second thing is she went joyful. She wasn't in a bad mood. She didn't have a falling out with Joseph over this pregnancy thing and had to persuade Joseph that it's not someone else's. It certainly wasn't his. So they had that whole thing. And, of course, the angel, speaking to both of them, helped alleviate that situation. She went. I'm trying to make this relevant. I'm trying to bring it a little as much through our culture so you'll understand what I'm trying to say here tonight. 
The Bible said she greeted Elizabeth. It wasn't just, hello. What up, dude? How's, how's Zach doing? Is everything going on good at church? She did not go for that. She had something to say. She had something to announce that would cause genuine celebration. So note the joy of the two expectant mothers as they exchanged with each other the news they had to share. The mother of the one destined to prepare the way for the Messiah joined her unborn child in honoring the person of the one selected by God to become the Savior's mother. We are not told why Mary went to visit Elizabeth at this particular time. One writer said it might have been to avoid the scandal in Nazareth that she was pregnant without Joseph being a part of it, whatever. I don't believe none of that. I believe she went specifically to tell Elizabeth that something is going on with me. An angel came to me and said, you are giving birth to the redeemer of this world. Do you understand when we come and worship God that we're giving birth to that same spirit, that same power, that same anointing? That's why it has to be celebrated. It has to be celebrated. The third thing that you'll find in, under this umbrella of great anticipation is response. Everybody say response. Elizabeth, I'm having a baby and his name is going to be called Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the redeemer of the world. And Elizabeth just says, well, congratulations, I'm pregnant too. It's not what happened, man. There was something electric there was something provoking. There was something stimulating, if you will. Elizabeth's response, she knew something was up with Mary before Mary opened her mouth, practically. People need to feel that about us. They need to feel something, especially at church. Not the mully grubs and a bad mood and all that stuff, but there should be an expectancy about us, in us, that people should be able to, to feel so the Messiah's forerunner gave testimony to the Messiah even before he was born. So true worship does not depend on the preacher or the place, but true worship depends on the attitude of the heart. So let me hurry on. They manifested great admiration. Blessed are you among women, Elizabeth said. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Speaking by special inspiration, Elizabeth saluted Mary as the mother of my Lord. What a statement. What a revelation Elizabeth had. There was not a trace of jealousy. There was no microscoping going on here. That Elizabeth said, well, I'm sorry, my baby ain't going to be as popular as your baby. I mean, my baby ain't saving the world. He's just a, a forerunner. My baby's a big deal, but not a bigger deal as your baby. They didn't do none of that. There was not a trace of jealousy in Elizabeth's heart, only joy and delight that the unborn baby inside of Mary would be her God manifested in the flesh. I could tear this building down again. 
Think about the power of this, the, 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 how much celebration is going on here. Mary was blessed among women and that she was given the privilege of bearing the Messiah. The fruit of her womb is blessed in that he is God manifest in the flesh. God existed from all eternity, whereas Mary was just a little finite human creature with a definite date as when she began to exist. But here's this finite human given the privilege of being the mother of Jesus. Mary is not being entertained by God. She's getting blown away by God. I feel like the more I go, the more y'all are syncing up with me. I'm not on the Titanic tonight sinking. We're on a celebratory track that's sinking. Y'all are syncing up with it. So there was proclamation. Blessed are you among women. It was a moment of ecstatic excitement. Blessed are you. It is an equivalent of literally well spoken of or more blessed are you. And then Mary responds. And she proclaims and celebrates privilege. Why is this granted to me? This proclaims the exalted privilege of Mary. Elizabeth marveled at the grace that allowed her a role in God's great plan. She knew God owed her nothing. But she also knew that God had mercifully given her so much. So Mary responded to Elizabeth. Elizabeth responds back. And then John, the Baptist, inside Elizabeth's womb, responds to this whole thing by just starting to jump up and down. Where she couldn't talk. He wasn't even born yet. So there's an element of praise here. The babe leaped in my womb, Elizabeth said. When the sound of Mary's voice struck Elizabeth's ears, her unborn child leaped for joy. By some such train of thought, Elizabeth arrived at her joyful conclusion that Mary was to be the mother of the one for whom her was to prepare the way, the John the Baptist would prepare the way for the one inside of Mary. The Holy Spirit confirmed that conclusion for her. And then comes the pronouncement. Blessed is she who believed. Faith is reliance on the revealed will and purpose of God. Elizabeth declares that Mary is blessed, not because she is somehow more spiritual, righteous, even sinless, but because she took God at his word and believed it. That's the only qualification God was looking for in order to impregnate her with the Redeemer of all mankind. Man. I'm going to start amening myself here in a minute. She went with that, with what she was told. And along with all of her doubts, fears, and questions, she still had a reliance on the Word of God. And this sticking to it, this firm resting on it, is what the Bible means by faith, by saving faith. Faith is relying on what we trust will be accomplished in Christ our Lord. Mary's response of faith was exemplary. She was simply waiting on God to bring his promise to fulfillment. She was conceived with a promise, and she was only waiting for it to be born in her faith never wavered. We may say sometimes, well, if I'd seen an angel like Gabriel come into my room and tell me something like that, I'd believe it too. 
The Holy Ghost is far more powerful than Gabriel ever dreamed of being. The Holy Ghost should be plenty of for us to be convinced. Interesting story. A man named Al Lindgren, who was a seminary professor, tells about taking his junior high son fishing. It was one of those days when the fish wasn't biting, and so they had a lot of time to talk. Out of the clear blue, his junior high age son asked, Dad, what is the toughest thing God ever tried to do? Lindgren, a minister, seminary professor, said the question caught him off guard, so he didn't know what to say. And so like any good teacher, he answered the question with a question. So he turned it back to his son. He said, what do you think it was? The boy responded, even though you are a minister, you don't know much about God, do you, Dad? And then the boy proceeded to answer his own question. Since taking science in school, I thought the creation of the world might be the hardest thing that God ever tried to do. Then in Sunday school, we got to talking about the miracles like Jesus' resurrection And I thought that might be the toughest thing God ever did. Then after thinking some more and talking to others, I decided that no one knows God really well. So now I think the toughest thing that God ever tried to do is to get us to understand who he is and how much he loves us. That's the hardest thing God's ever tried to do. Think about that. After a bit of divine insight, the only thing that Lindgren could say back to his son was, I think you're right. That is the hardest thing God ever had to do. But there was only one way he could do it. This was by coming and dying and showing us how much he loved us. So the next thing you can extract out of this scripture setting that I read, the the celebration between Elizabeth and Mary is glorious adoration. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. It's the song of Mary. Here is Mary's hymn of praise. Mary's song of praise reflects her character. Her worship reflected her character. Her worship and praise reflected her emotional response to God's mighty work in her life and in the life of the people of Israel. So let's look at the first stanza. In preparation for this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the remainder of my time on this, it reminded me of a story my brother Tom told years ago. He went to ABI uh, Bible College. <laughs> uh, that was back in the 60s, I guess, maybe early 70s, probably late 60s. And UPC Apostolic, whatever, was mired in far more tradition than what we could even imagine and dream, and especially being that far north in, in Minnesota. He said those the Bible college services they would have periodically throughout the week would just drag on and on and on. And there was a song, I don't remember how many verses it had, but um, they'd sing, it was, it was like 12 or 13 verses. It was insane. And they'd sing every one of them. And uh, when they'd finally get done singing, and everybody was just like, all the students are finally, this is over with. Old Brother Norris, S.G. Norris, who was over that school, uh, over that college, would, would stand up and say, Oh, sister so-and-so, would you sing that 13th verse one more time? And they'd just go, uh, So we're going to have some stanzas here tonight, but it's not going to be that many. 
so don't get nervous. But the first stanza, rejoicing over God's personal blessings. This is what we can do when we come to church Sunday. The Holy Ghost hasn't started moving yet. We haven't even heard the first song yet, but on your way to church, you can begin to rejoice over the personal blessing of what God has brought you through and what you've experienced in your life. And instead of arguing and fussing on the way to church with the kids, you start rejoicing over personal blessings. This is what God did for Mary. She said, I rejoice in my God, not our God, not y'all's God, not everybody else's God, but I rejoiced in mine. It was something personal to her. And we We've all had our moments where God just blows us away with something mighty. Well, you don't have to forget about that. So you think of it over and over and over. And when you walk through the door, people can see something in your eyes. This person just walked in and they've got something exciting on their mind. God has been good to them. God has blessed them. It's a realization. She got to thinking about rejoicing and God, my Savior. So realization is manifested when she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Magnifies, it literally means to make great. A habitual act that means to exalt or to praise. She started rejoicing. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced. There's great rejoicing. She's not being entertained by anybody. She is celebrating even before she arrives. And she doesn't forget who she is and who God is. So there's regard. So there's realization. There's rejoicing. Now there's regard. He hath regarded my lowly state, she said. The Lord hath looked down on Mary with loving care. Second stanza. That was first one. Realization, rejoicing, regard. Verse two. Rejoicing due to God's glorious character. What God did for us, mercy on them that fear him, Mary said. God is at work in the affairs of men. She sings of a mighty reversal of things. This is already accomplished through the coming of the Messiah, her promised son. So she realizes in the second verse of her song that God is a God of power. She said, he who is mighty has done great things for me. The mighty God has worked in a mighty way. He is a God of holiness, and holy is his name, she said. This God, even though he has impregnated me with his son, God manifested in the flesh, he is still holy, which means moral perfection. And then he is a God of mercy. He has mercy on them that fear him. He is merciful. Mary here affirms God's kindness extends to all who reverence him. The word fear means respect rather than scared. Fear of God is the Old Testament description of piety. The third stanza, the third verse of her song. Rejoicing over the results of his coming, what God can do for his people. He has shown strength with his arm, she said. He turns things upside down. The coming of the kingdom serves to reverse the perceived standing of mankind before God. I wish I had time. Those favored with power, wealth, status, the seemingly righteous before God will be brought low, put down, Mary said. The humble, the lost, the broken, the poor, the outcast from God's mercy are lifted up. They're exalted. This great reversal which achieves the redemption of the lost is best taken as a present 
reality, Mary is saying. So this third stanza in her, what she is saying here is, number one, there's victory over pride. He has scattered the proud, she said. There can be a moral revelation. Note the complete reversal of all human opinions of greatness and the insignificant. God turned it completely around backwards. So there's victory over pride. There's victory over prestige. He has put down the mighty, she said. There can be a social revolution. Note the complete reversal of power and standing. There's victory over possessions. The rich, he has sent them away. There can be economic revolution. This reversal in human relationships and existence has already begun and will be perfectly completed, she explains in her singing this song to Elizabeth. The fourth stanza, rejoicing over the faithfulness of God, what God continues to do for his people. He has helped his servant Israel. He shall save his people from their sin. So there's helpfulness. He has helped his servant, she said. There's hopefulness. He spoke to our fathers, she said. There's hardiness. Mary remained with her, with Elizabeth, in this song. So there is this exchange between these two women that goes beyond entertainment and just a visitation of the Holy Ghost. And it was really cool to be at Elizabeth's house for six months. It went far beyond that. There was purpose. There was direction. There was promise. There was hope. You, you name it. And this, and, and this is the point that I want to make tonight. I told you at the beginning, I want to show you the benefit of intimacy with God through worship rather than an event being entertained or being entertaining. When you are intimate with God in worship, this is the fruit of it. This whole thing, go home and listen to it again, watch it again this week, whatever. This whole these, these four stanzas of Mary's song, if you will, is the byproduct of being intimate with God through worship. She's been impregnated by his presence. Still don't think we understand it. So, in conclusion tonight, a worship that magnifies God is a worship that focuses on God. A worship that magnifies God is a worship that focuses on God. Our worship must be focused on the greatness of God. Can we say, my heart is alive with the joy of worship? Can we say that? Again, Packer writes, this then is worship in its largest sense. Petition as well as praise. Preaching as well as prayer. Hearing as well as speaking, actions as well as words, obeying as well as offering, loving people as, as well as loving God. However, the primary acts of worship are those which focus on God directly. We must not imagine that work for God in the world is a substitute for direct fellowship with Him in praise and prayer and devotion. There still has to be those moments in our lives when we are focused only on Him. Not for our needs, but his. And when we do, it develops an intimacy with God. That's why David said, I, I meditate on the Lord day and night. It, there's an intimacy that happens. And this, what I just taught tonight, this whole thing is the byproduct of that relationship with God. Do we have that? Are we there yet? Can we come Sunday morning 
and forget about being entertained by lights blinking and, and, and swirling around in circles and all that. Can we celebrate the environment it's creating by a manifestation of the presence of God, that roar that we heard this past Sunday? People came this past Sunday. I'm still pondering this service. I've talked to as many people as I can about it, and I'm not done yet. That roar Sunday has me baffled. If you listen, if you watch live stream when, when Elijah's being baptized, if you listen carefully, you can pick up on it. If we'd had the mics installed up here, we'd have picked it up really good. But there was something happened here Sunday. And this, this magnifying God thing is, is resonating with God. And now it's resonating with us. We're not coming to be entertained as though there's some spectacle up here or waiting for the pastor to pull a rabbit out of a hat. But we're beginning to celebrate that we have recovered from this pandemic and we're getting back to some semblance of normal and, and we're celebrating all these events and God has taken advantage of this moment to do something powerful in his church. If you'll stand with me tonight. I want to share with you a story in conclusion. This is how God feels about us. And now he's waiting on us to reciprocate back. We did that Sunday. We did it Sunday before last. I believe we're going to do it this coming Sunday. Let me share with you this story. Listen carefully. The passengers on the bus watched as the attractive young woman with the red and white cane made her way carefully up the steps. She paid the driver and using her hands to feel the locations of the seats, walked down the aisle and found the seat he had told her was empty. Then she settled in, placed her briefcase on her lap and rested her cane against her leg. It had been a year since Susan, 34 years old, became blind. Due to a medical misdiagnosis, she had been rendered sightless, and she was suddenly thrown into a world of darkness, anger, frustration, and self-pity. How could this have happened to me? She would plead, her heart knotted with anger. But no matter how much she cried or ranted or prayed, she knew the painful truth that her sight was never going to return. Can't imagine what that's like. A cloud of depression hung over Susan's once optimistic spirit. Just getting through each day was an exercise in frustration and exhaustion. And all she had to cling to was her husband, Mark. Mark was an Air Force officer, and he loved Susan with all of his heart. When she first lost her sight, he watched her sink into despair and was determined to help her gain the strength and confidence she needed to become independent again. Mark's military background had trained him well to deal with sensitive situations, and yet he knew this was the most difficult battle he would ever face. Finally, Susan felt ready to return to her job. I don't know what kind of job she had that she could do it blind, but it worked out. She felt ready to return to her job, but how would she get there? She used to take the bus, but was now too frightened to get around the city by herself. Mark volunteered to drive her to work each day, even though they worked at opposite ends of the city. At first, this comforted Susan and fulfilled Mark's need to protect his sightless wife. 
who was so insecure about performing the slightest task. Soon, however, Mark realized that this arrangement wasn't working. It was hectic and it was costly. Susan is going to have to start taking the bus again, he admitted to himself. But just the thought of mentioning it to her made him cringe. She was so fragile and so angry. How would she react to that suggestion? Just as Mark predicted, Susan was horrified at the idea of taking the bus again. I'm blind, she responded bitterly. How am I supposed to know where I'm going? I feel like you're abandoning me. Mark's heart broke to hear those words, but he knew what had to be done. He promised Susan that each morning and evening he would ride the bus with her for as long as it took until she finally got the hang of it. And that's exactly what happened. For two solid weeks, Mark, military uniform and all, accompanied Susan to and from work each day. He taught her how to rely on her other senses, specifically her hearing, to determine where she was and how to adapt to her new environment. He helped her befriend the bus drivers who could watch out for her and save her a seat. He made her laugh, even on those not-so-good days when she would trip exiting the bus or drop her briefcase. But each morning, they made the journey together, and Mark would take a cab back to his office. Although this routine was even more costly and exhausting than the previous one, Mark knew it was only a matter of time before Susan would be able to ride the bus on her own. He believed in her. And the Susan he used to know before she had lost her sight, who wasn't afraid of any challenge, who would never, ever quit. Finally, Susan decided that she was ready to try the trip on her own. Monday morning arrived, and before she left, she threw her arms around Mark and her temporary bus riding companion, her husband, and her best friend. Her eyes filled with tears of gratitude for his loyalty, his patience, and love for her. She said goodbye for the first time, and they went their separate ways. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, each day on her own went perfectly. And Susan had not felt this good in a long time. She was doing it. She was going to work all by herself. On Friday morning, Susan took the bus to work as usual. As she was paying for her fare to exit the bus, the driver said, boy, I sure envy you. Susan wasn't sure if the driver was speaking to her or not. After all, who on earth would ever envy a blind woman who had struggled just to find the courage to live for the past year? Curious, she asked the driver, why do you say that you envy me? The driver responded, it must feel so good to be taken care of and protected like you are. Susan had no idea what the driver was talking about, so she asked again, what do you mean? The driver answered, he said, you know, every morning for the past week, a fine-looking gentleman in a military uniform has been standing across the corner watching you get on and off the bus. He makes sure you cross the street safely, and he watches you until you enter your office building. Then he blows you a kiss, gives you a little salute, and walks away. You're one blessed lady, he said. Tears of happiness poured down Susan's cheek. For although she couldn't physically see him, she had always felt his presence. She was blessed, so blessed, 
for her husband Mark had given her a gift more powerful than sight, a gift she didn't need to see to believe, the gift of love that can bring light where there had been darkness. Grace Church, God has been watching over us in just the same way. We know he's present. We may not be able to see his face, but he is present nonetheless. And we tonight are blessed people. So where God has not been visible or so visible for the past six months, he is becoming visible now by impregnating us with a brand new promise, new assurance of hope that we can overcome, that we can conquer, that our faith in him works, that the word of God works. Do we have anything to celebrate tonight? I say we have everything to celebrate tonight because God has never left us. Let's praise him tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's praise him for a moment. We have a lot to celebrate because he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Let's praise him. Let's praise him just a little bit more. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. Thank you so much for your patience. There's a little part of me that wants to bring all of our musicians up here tonight. We're not going to do it. But I, I, I just wish we could just dance and celebrate and shout. Maybe you can do that when you get home tonight. We have everything to celebrate because he's still with us. He's still with us. God bless you tonight. Be friendly. Shake hands with one another. Fist bump one another. Whatever you're comfortable with. We'll see you Sunday morning. All the parents, junior high, senior high parents, if you'll meet me next door as quickly as you can, I'd appreciate it.